Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. If any of you were awake during this Gospel, and if you were awake last week during the Gospel, you would have noticed something. That it's almost the exact same Gospel that's repeated. The parable of the sower. That it's repeated two weeks in a row. As though the church is trying to say to us all, listen, pay attention. If you fell asleep last time, stay awake this time. This is the second chance to hear. The exact same parable is repeated, the parable of the soul. <clears throat> the word parable is a meaning or has a meaning of a story or an illustration which points us and lifts us up to something else. When Christ speaks in parables, it's an invitation to all of us at different times in our lives, at different seasons in our lives, to see where we are. He builds a house, he points out windows, he describes doorways, he describes halls, and then he invites us to take a seat in that parable. Not to think that it is words that are spoken to somebody else, but words that are spoken to me. And to find then, at what part of that house, at which stage of my life, do I exist in that parable? That is precisely what a parable does. It's an invitation to all of us to take a seat, to listen, to find my place. And this particular parable reveals something about our hearts, but it also reveals something about who Christ is, about who he is. Christ uses the image of a sower, somebody that is going to plant seeds in his land. The images of that of a furrow, a a track that has been made into the ground that Christ then comes and plants seeds. We're not familiar with that because we're a bit impatient. So often you've got a flower power and you buy, you know, a fairly mature plant and you plant it. But that's expensive. At this time in first century Palestine, to plant is expensive and the, the peasants, the farmers, are poor. And so they would use seeds. They'd make a track, get an oxen or something to break the ground in a track, And then throw seed into that track. And Christ then says, as the sower goes, he plants into four different types of ground. The wayside, the rocky ground, the ground that is full of thorns or weeds, and the good ground. But we cannot miss that it is Christ himself who is the sower. And not only is he the sower, but he sows himself. He plants himself. Those seeds, which are the Word of God, sometimes because of being accustomed by um, Western terms or Western thinking, we think that that means scripture or text, the Bible. In actual fact, the Word of God, the Logos of God, is Christ. He himself is the Word of God. And so he then puts himself into all of these different types of ground. But the ground is impenetrable. Only one of them is good ground. Only one of them bears fruit. And each type of ground is a varying degree of a piece of ground that is impenetrable. That he cannot get into. That he cannot take root into. And so then the parable is an invitation to all of us to see, where am I in this parable? Each of our hearts may be like 
one of these types of ground at different stages of our life, perhaps multiple types of ground at one point in time. And so he goes and he throws first onto the wayside. Onto the wayside. This is not some random path, as it sounds like in English, the wayside. In Greek, it's very specific. It's a well-trodden path. Because they would have a track. And so as the sower was going, he wasn't going to walk in the ground in which he was going to plant. He'd walk beside it. And because they were accustomed to keep walking on that path day in, day out, just as if you drove anywhere north coast, south coast, and you'll see that there are often paths next to fields, that path would then become a well-trodden path that would be used by the farmers so that they wouldn't, stop, they wouldn't step on their crops. It would become so hard, it would be like concrete, impenetrable, unable to be entered. And so the seed that would land on that well-trodden path couldn't take root at all. It was like he threw it on tiles, like he threw it on clay, like he threw it on concrete. There's no room to even take a little bit of room. Then he says there's another rocky ground which has a thin layer of topsoil. Right? And if any of you do much planting, you realize what happens very quickly is that the tree or the plant will take root. It will spring up. You'll see a little bit of green. You'll see a little bit of hope. And then as soon as things get tough, the roots, because they can't penetrate any further, they splay and they go across. And they can't find moisture because the soil is so, so thin. And they look like they're okay for a little bit until a little bit of heat comes. Summer comes. It gets a little bit dry. It gets a little bit tough. And then they start to die. Yeah? And Christ is saying again that he's some types of heart which want the word. They're not impenetrable. But they're superficial. They're weak. They're good while things are good. But the second things get a little bit tough. The second life gets tough. The second finances get a bit stressed. The second kids get a little bit tough. The second their marriages get a bit strained. Then they break. Then they break. The word can't grow. And then he says there's a third ground, which is full of sufficient soil. It's got enough depth. But it's a thorny ground. It's got weeds everywhere in it. You plant something, it begins to grow, but the weeds, as soon as it begins to grow, they also grow and they begin to choke it. They suck with the moisture, they compete for the water so that there's no room for the Word of God to grow. That, again, is the heart that is distracted, that is filled with the anxieties of this life. That the second Christ begins to grow in me, he gets choked. By my desire, by my ambition, by my concerns, by my stresses, whatever it may be. And then he says, finally, there is the good ground, which bears fruit with patience. And all of these grounds are varying, varying hearts that are in varying degrees of being impenetrable to him. But that's not the end of the story. As anyone who gardens would know, you can always change the ground. That's why one of the desert fathers, one of the monks in the early desert in the first few centuries of Christianity, by the name of Pseudo-Macarius, says, our labor is to work the earth of our hearts. Our entire purpose on this earth is to work the earth of our hearts. Christ cannot grow within us unless there is space, unimpeded space for him to grow within us. If the ground is solid clay, if it's got a thin topsoil because the rocks are just beneath, if it's riddled with weeds, 
He cannot grow within us. Evagrius, one of the early desert fathers, says, Allow the Spirit of God to dwell within you. Then His love, He will come and make a habitation. He will make a house within you. He will reside in you and live in you. But we have to create space for Him. I can't expect that God can touch my heart, that God can enter me, that I can become a dwelling place for Him. And yet I never make space for Him. I never, I never work the earth of my heart. I never clear the weeds. I never destroy the lusts that are within me. I never cast out the anxieties within me. I never dig into the rock to make enough space, create enough depth. Then how can he grow within me? This is what the parable is saying to us. We must work the earth of our hearts. But there's also something very surprising in there that you may miss in the parables. It's an agricultural parable. Yeah? Christ is speaking to first century farmers that are sitting there who themselves probably that day were planting, that day were harvesting, that day were digging. And then in this parable in which they're listening to about a sower that is going and throwing seeds in all various kinds of soils, as Christ began to describe that, they would have been shocked because in actual fact it made no sense. The typical farmer in Jesus' time was poor. He was a peasant. He didn't own his land. He worked for a landlord. So he didn't have seeds to waste. He didn't have an excess of money to go buy mature plants. He had only enough seeds for the crops. So then they would have been very careful, not haphazardly, without thinking, throwing seed on the path, throwing seed on ground that wasn't prepared properly because it was filled with weeds throwing seed on ground that hadn't been dug properly because there was rock superficially below. They could only just afford their seeds. And so whatever seeds they had, they would have made sure it fell exactly in the trough, exactly in the track, exactly in the land that had been prepared for growth. And so while Christ was talking about this parable, about this sower who was in their minds someone who was insane, throwing seed in all different types of ground, generously, without any condition, without any measure, extravagantly, they would have looked at each other and said, this doesn't make any sense. This story is absurd. This doesn't make any sense at all. They would have laughed at the ridiculous and irrational farmer that is being described by Christ. And yet, that is exactly what is at the heart of this parable. The ridiculous and irrational farmer the absurd and the radical love of Christ, who sows himself and plants himself, not only in receptive souls, not only in the perfectly prepared ground, but in the ground that is not prepared, in all souls. He plants himself in the good. He gives of himself to the good, but also to the weak and the superficial. Also to the distracted, to the ones that are lost in the cares of this life, to the ones that are swallowed up by their anxieties. Even he plants himself in those who are evil and unreceptive. Those who have no interest. And yet he casts himself and gives himself to this ground. Senor Chrysostom, one of the early church fathers in the 4th century, says, Since we could not enter in, for our sins had shut the door to us, he, Christ, came out to us. He came to till and to take care of the earth. Why then tell me, St. Chrysostom says, 
was so much of the seed lost. For it is the way of the Lord never to stop sowing the seed. For it is the way of the Lord to never stop sowing the seed. This is his way. This is who our God is. An absurd and irrational and ridiculous farmer that gives of himself to the good, to the weak, and even to the evil. That is why one of the early church fathers, Tertullian, in the West, um, in the second century, said, I became a Christian because it's absurd. It's absurd that God who creates humanity and that humanity falls away from him and yet he still goes and gives himself to those ones that rejected him and dies for them. This is his way to never stop sowing a seed. Pope Francis says, He knows our soil and yet he always hopes that we can bear abundant fruit. He knows our soil yet he always hopes that we can bear abundant fruit. He knows us. He doesn't cast his seed into ground without knowing that ground. He knows that that's rocky ground. He knows that that's full of thorns. He knows that that's hard clay. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows our weakness. He knows our superficiality. He knows our evil in our field. And yet he loves us anyway. Always perhaps eternally, hoping that we make space for him so that he can grow within us. Can there be anything more beautiful than him? This ridiculous father who gives himself to everyone. Our Lord, our God is beautiful. Let us give him glory. Let us offer him our thanks. And let's worship him in spirit and truth during the liturgy. Glory be to God forevermore. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.